Welcome back, everybody. We began a short series last week titled, What's Next? We're going to continue on with that today. Before I get into the message, I just want to take a moment. And for those of you that I've never met before, my name is Aaron Jane. I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Coastline Church. And for those of you that are part of our church family, I just I want to tell you how much I love you and I miss you. This whole season of COVID-19 has gone on much, much longer than I think any of us had ever anticipated or imagined it being. And I can't wait till we can get back together and I can hug your neck and, and just, just you know, say hi physically, face to face. Because it's, it's not the same. Uh, I love the power of technology. I love the fact that we still get to pastor our church and love our church and help our church. But it's not the same as being together physically. And even though we're starting some physical gatherings as a church through small groups, and uh, we're going to start a couple weekend gatherings in our parking lot, I know many people are still going to be a part of our online experience. And just know that I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you often. We will get back together. God is going to get us through this season. Well, we titled this, this mini-series, What's Next? Because we're thinking about what's next. Okay, things have gone on longer than we anticipated them going. We don't know if we're coming out of the season, if the season is being delayed with all of these new outbreaks. We really don't know what's going to happen next. But here's the good news. As long as we know who does, we can be at peace in this season. And even though I don't know what's around the next corner. I do know the Holy Spirit knows what's around the next corner. And I know if I maintain my friendship and my intimacy with the Holy Spirit, I don't have to worry about what's coming next as long as I know He knows what's coming next. So we're talking about what do we do? Like how do we prepare for what's next even if we can't see what's around the corner? Last week we talked about being aligned with purpose. Two incredible words, alignment and purpose. See, we all have to understand there's a purpose on our life. God created each of us with a purpose, but it's not enough to have a purpose if you're not aligned to that purpose. One of the things we've got to do as followers of Christ is make sure we're living life intentionally. Make sure we're aligned with the purpose that God created us for. And Today, what I want to do is continue on this feel of just pastoring you as a church, preparing you for whatever comes next. Uh, And it doesn't really matter if it's coming out of the season back to normality or if it's a prolonged season or if it's a new kind of season or it's a hybrid version of all of it. What's next for us as followers of Christ is the same. We still have to be Christians. We still have to love Jesus. We still have to pray and read our Bible and walk out our faith no matter what's happening. And so I want to give you some keys to that. There's a verse that really struck my heart this week. James chapter 1 and verse 1. And one word just really jumped out at me. It says at the beginning of James, James was Jesus's older brother who wrote, not older brother, younger brother. Sorry about that. Uh, Jesus was the firstborn. If I always think James was the older brother, but he was actually younger brother because Jesus was the firstborn because Mary obviously was a virgin when she had Jesus. James eventually became the pastor of the church of Jerusalem. And one of the things I like about James is to me, he's the greatest proof that Jesus Christ was the actual son of God. Because if you look at Jesus in the beginning of his ministry, James was not a disciple. James was not a follower. He didn't become a follower until after the resurrection, which leads me to think, what would you have to do? as a brother to prove to your other brothers that you were actually the son of God if they were born and raised with you. 
to me, that's the greatest proof of the deity of Christ is that James, the younger brother of Jesus, became a believer and he actually became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And so he's writing this letter as one of the apostles of the New Testament church. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes. And here's the word that jumped out at me, scattered. The 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. And then he gets into the letter. You know, that word scattered jumped out at me this week because that's, that's kind of how our church feels right now. Uh, this COVID-19 scattered us. It scattered us. We're not able to come together on a weekly basis like we used to. We've been, we've been scattered. And if you look at what Satan's design behind this whole season was, is he wanted to scatter the church. He wanted to weaken Christianity. He wanted to break it apart. Now, if that is true, if, if Satan's goal was to scatter us, to weaken us, to, to, to take the church and break it apart where it would not be as effective as it once was, then what is our response as followers of Jesus Christ? If that is his goal, if that's what's happening, if that's the season that we're in, what is our response? What is God calling from us to do during this season? Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, King Solomon, David's son, here's what he said in his reflection of life in Ecclesiastes. The one may be overpowered. So by yourself, you're likely going to be overpowered and defeated in life. Two, so when you, so, so when you join together with someone, they can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So by yourself, you're going to be defeated. You try to go through COVID-19 by yourself, you're going to be defeated. You're going to be overcome. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be dealing with all sorts of anxieties, depressions, fears, and just being overwhelmed at the thought of life. Going through it as two, you can defend yourselves, but we're not just called to defend ourselves. We're called to thrive. We're called to be on the offense. We're called to take ground for the kingdom. So it says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So I'm going to give you one of the biggest keys to surviving this whole COVID-19 experience, to surviving the season we're in. It's all about staying connected to the right people, not just connected but connected to the right. You can connect to the wrong people and that's not going to help you at all. I mean, there's a lot of things you can connect yourself to in life that aren't healthy. Like you can be connected to cancer. That's not healthy for your body to be connected to cancer. Like there are a lot of things you can be connected to that are not healthy for you. People and relationships included. So here's the key. We got to connect to the right people in life if we're going to survive this season. And this one has shaped you more than you can possibly realize. So here's the title of today. Where I want to take you is being intentional with relationships. This is a season that we've been scattered. We've been scattered relationally. We call it social distancing. Satan's goal is to weaken us and fragment us and to isolate us socially. So what is our response? We've got to be intentional. We've got to be more intentional during this season about our relationships than any other season of life because Satan's entire goal is to isolate you from everyone else. And here's the truth. You are who you are, either good or bad, because of the relationships that are in your 
life. These are the most important decisions you will ever make. As, as we heard the cliche often, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. Again, Solomon puts it like this, a mirror reflects a man's face. But if you really want to know what he's really like, it's shown by the kind of friends he chooses. So look, a mirror can show you what you look like, but if you really want to know your character, if you really want to know your heart, if you really want to know the type of person you are, let's look at your friends. Let's look at the, let's look at the relationships you surround yourself with. So let me give you some relational choices that we need to make during this season. Then I'm going to make it very, very practical. Here's the first one. I've got to nurture my important relationships. I've got to nurture my important relationships. See, the problem is if if you're having a relationship that is falling apart, it's not the relationship's fault oftentimes. It's how you nurtured the relationship. And as a pastor, I talk to people all the time. They say, well, I've just lost the fire in my marriage. Well, if you want fire in the marriage, you've got to throw a log onto the fire. I mean, no, there's nothing like a a log fireplace. A gas fireplace is a cheap imitation. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't smell the same. It doesn't feel the same. There's nothing like a log fireplace. But if you've ever had a log fireplace, they take a lot more work than a gas fireplace. There's cleaning, there's maintenance, there's going out in the cold, in the snow to grab another log, to bring it in, put it on that fire. Now, it's beautiful when you maintain it but it takes work to maintain it. A marriage is often like a log fireplace. It, it doesn't just, but you, you, you can't turn a marriage into a gas fireplace. Marriages don't work on autopilot. They work when you maintain it and nurture it. And just because it takes work doesn't mean it's a bad marriage. You see, this is one of the things Amanda and I are very intentional about in our marriages. We, we make sure we throw a log on the fire. Like on a regular basis, we got we to keep that fire burning because the one thing I know to be true in life is the grass is not greener on the other side. And if you think the grass is greener on the other side, uh, let me tell you, the water bill is higher. Truth is the grass is green where you water the grass, where you nurture the grass, where you maintain the grass. So we've got to nurture the important relationships in our life. And one of the things I really have enjoyed about this COVID-19 experience, now I think it's from the pit of hell. I think Satan himself created it to destroy people without a doubt. But one of the things I've seen a lot of people do is use it to reinstitute family time. I know my marriage is better today, 14, 15 weeks into the season than it was even before we began this season because it slowed us down a little bit instead of allowing it to drive us crazy and look at it as a curse and and be frustrated with the season we made a decision we're going to embrace the season and even though it's not from God we're going to allow God to work it for his good and our marriage is better and stronger today because we made some decisions at the beginning of the season to nurture our marriage and our relationship and I want to encourage those of you that there that are married What have you done during this season to make your marriage better? Have you had an intentional conversation? Why don't today you sit down with your spouse and say, okay, season's gone on long enough. We've not been intentional. What can we do to take our marriage to the next level? Like here's our marriage and it may be good. It may be bad. It may be struggling. Doesn't matter. The question is, what do I have to do to take it to the next level? Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is near. 
And can I tell you, the end is near. If we're not in the last days, we are at least in our last days, because this is the last of our days. And you're one day closer to the end of your life than you were yesterday. Just, just remember that. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray above all. So Peter's saying, look, the end is near above all. Like, this is the most important thing I am about to say. Like, if I can leave you with any truth before, b- before it all, all ends, here's what I want you to know. Love each other deeply. What does that mean? It means nurture the important relationships in your life because love covers over a multitude of sins. Here's another choice to make. Restore my broken relationships restore my broken relationships. Now, now let me say the pain of fixing a broken relationship, because it hurts to fix something that is broken, will never be as bad as the broken relationship itself. And I know you can't fix everything because there's often two people involved and you can't do their part. And if they're unwilling to do their part, you can't do anything about that, but you can at least do your part. Here's what Paul says in Romans. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you. And that's what I'm here today as your pastor to say, as far as it depends upon you. I, I don't know what depends on the other person, and you can't control what depends on the other person, but you can control what depends upon you. You can own your part, live at peace with everyone. Let me just put it like this. Forgiveness is a daily decision. There's no Christianity without forgiveness. There's no Christian life without forgiveness. This is such a big deal that Jesus put it into the daily prayer. God, forgive us our sins as we, on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day, forgive each other. You know, the reason I've learned to forgive others is because I need it so bad myself. So what I've learned to do in my life, and I would encourage you to do this, is I just forgive people in advance. Like when I wake up in the morning, I just say, God, I know somebody's going to make me mad today. I know somebody's going to take me off. I know something's going to happen, and and I'm going to lose my lid, and I'm going to be very angry, and I'm going to be very upset because someone out there woke up today with their life mission at bothering me or offending me or making me mad. Not really, but you know what I mean. So I just, in advance, when it happens, forgive them. I'm telling you, when you decide in the morning just to forgive the people in advance before they even hurt you, it makes the day so much more joyful. It makes it so much easier. How do we do it? Well, Paul puts it like this. Bear with each other and forgive. So we got to bear with each other. And now, 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 why do we have to bear with each other? Because sometimes people are annoying. Let's be honest. Sometimes people are aggravating. Sometimes, sometimes people get on your nerves. So the Bible is assuming that you're going to run into people Sometimes family members, sometimes a spouse who are going to get on your nerves. So guess what? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Uh, How do we do it? Well, glad you asked. Here's what Paul says. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, did Jesus forgive you because you deserved it? Did Jesus forgive you because you earned it? Did Jesus forgive you because you were good enough? No. He forgave you because of who he was, not because of who you are. You you forgive people based on who you are, not based on them. You forgive them based on what Jesus has done for you, not on what they do. You don't forgive people because they deserve to be forgiven. You forgive people because Jesus forgave you when you didn't deserve to be 
forgiven. Here's the next one. Sever any harmful relationships. Now, one of, the, one of the beautiful things that's happened during this COVID-19 is this has been automatic for some people. Some of you, before this whole season began, you had some relationships at work that were getting way too flirtatious, and you were, you were about to cross a line that was going to create a lot of damage in your marriage and a lot of damage in your family. And this season ha- has severed some relationships, sometimes against your will, just because work got shut down and life got shut down and social distancing was, was implemented. But there are others of you that are out there that have some relationships in your life that you're trying to hold on to that are not healthy and they need to be cut off. They need to be severed. And I'm encouraging you to use COVID-19 as a reset Use this season of time to reset some of the relationships in your life and sever the ones that are negative and harmful. And if nothing else, minimize them and put them in their place. Now, I'm not talking about your spouse. You know, I know some of you, you know, have, you, you, it's like, you know, she's harmful. She's negative. He's this, he's that. Now, I'm not, once, when you made that covenant, you made that covenant. So just understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying sever you know, the marriage, repair that. That was back on the nurturing line. This is the relationships that should not be in your life. And here's why. Solomon, Proverbs says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools ends up in jail. A companion of fools ends up with STDs. A companion of fools ends up ruining their life and suffering harm. Don't hang out with fools. Sever the negative relationships in your life. Paul goes on to say in Corinthians, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You're not going to date somebody in the heavens. So, so, so no missionary dating here. It's like, you know, I'm going to win that guy to Jesus. And I don't care if he's a Christian or not. No, 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 no. That, that, that's not how we do it. They will pull you down before you pull them up. They may be a good person. Being a good person and loving Jesus are two different things. So just understand what I'm saying. They'll pull you down to where they're at before you pull them up to the level of your faith. And then finally, here, this is the one that makes the other three so much easier in life. Initiate some meaningful relationships. Initiate some meaningful relationships relationships. We need to nurture the important ones. We need to sever the unhealthy, the negative ones in our life. We need to restore some broken ones. And then we need to initiate. We need to be intentional about getting the right relationships in our life. And again, this is what church community is all about. This this is why we are so passionate about small groups. We've got a new semester coming up next month of small groups. Find a group whether it's a marriage group or a finance group or a freedom group or a sermon group or an act, doesn't matter. Make an intentional decision to get the right relationships in your life. And here's why. Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together. That's exactly what COVID-19 has been designed to do. Again, what was Satan's goal during COVID-19? To get us to give up meeting together. That's what he's trying to accomplish. And if that's what he's trying to accomplish, what do we have to do? We've got to not give up. Now, does that mean uh, we're foolish and unwise? No, we're going to use wisdom. Sometimes it means we're going to meet through Zoom. And I know some of us are Zoomed out. 
but let us not give up meeting together. I, I, I know you're zoomed out. I know you're overwhelmed with this virtual life that we have been living, and it's hard. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, there's an insinuation that there are a lot of people who have the habit of just, just you know, disconnecting relationally that just get busy with life or they get overwhelmed with life or we get into COVID-19 seasons of life and we give up meeting together. Let's not get in the habit of doing that. Let us meet together and let us encourage one another. That's what I'm trying to do is encourage you all the more as you see the capital D day approaching. We can't afford to not meet together, especially during this season. And again, it's even more clear once you know what Satan's goal is to scatter us that we, we not give up meeting together. So let me give you some intentional relationship steps as we close today. Here's number one. Develop my relationship with my church. I want you to circle the word my two times. My. Just, just say that with me. My. My. My church. My church. Every single one of us have to be able to say that about somewhere. I'm not talking about the church. Now, we are all part of the church, the capital C church. But in the church, all of us have our church. We have my church, and every one of you needs this. And and again, it does not have to be Coastline Church. There are incredible churches all throughout our community, and whatever community you live in. So it does not have to be this church, but there has got to be somewhere that you can say my church about. That's why we're encouraging you to consider getting together for watch parties. Instead of watching this message by yourself or, or with just your family, why don't you call your small group and say, hey, those of you that are comfortable, let's get together and let's watch church together. Let's, let's not forsake meeting together. And, and, and this is still our church. This is still my church. So let's get together and watch the service together. And even if you can't get together physically, why don't you create a watch party virtually and say, let's go to our church And this is so important because there's at least 30 verses in the New Testament that you cannot do if you do not have a my church in your life. You can't do it with just the church. You can only do it with my church because all of us are called to be part of God's church in some expression. So the way it looks is God has the church, but then he's got got a lot lot of different locations of his church, and he's called us to be a part of an individual family in the church. Here's what Ephesians says. You are members. Members. That means you're connected. You belong of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Let me say this again. You belong, you belong in God's household with every other Christian. This is why it's critical. You find a place where you can say, my church, you will do so much better with your faith when you belong. You were designed by Jesus to do this with other Christians. You were never designed to do the Christian life on your own. That's why we tell you, you can't survive in the capital C church because you're not connected in the capital C church. You're loved by God, but you got to belong. And to belong, you've got to go a little bit deeper from the capital C church to my church. 
Again, there's a difference between dating and belonging. Dating and marriage. See, when you date somebody, it, that's, that's the same as attending church. You're just dating. There's no commitment. But when you're married, you now belong. And can I tell you, there's a whole bunch of benefits that you get when you're married that, well, you shouldn't be getting when you're dating. I mean, they are reserved for marriage and they are glorious. Amen. All right, number two, develop relationships with godly friends. We talked about this a little bit earlier about being intentional. You need godly friends in your life. You don't need just friends. You need godly friends. You need friends who know the word of God. You need friends who will encourage you to follow God. You need friends you can worship God with. This is what Christian community is all about. How do you know if they're godly or not? Well, every time you're around them, they make you want to be a better Christian. They make you love God more. You, they rub off on you. They're contagious. You need contagious Christians in your life. And this is a New Testament pattern. You see, in the Bible, if you look at the way they did it in the book of Acts, they met on Sunday in public gatherings where they were taught the Bible just like we're doing right now. But then during the week, they met house to house on a regular basis. They didn't just go to church. Look at this in Acts. All the believers, all, just in case you're missing it, all. It doesn't say some. It says all. What does that mean? That means all. That means every one of us. That, that means you are not an exception to this verse. All the believers met together constantly. Are you meeting together constantly? Are you connected constantly? Are you meeting with, with godly Christians on a weekly, regular basis for your Christian faith and your Christian journey? Because it doesn't say some of them met. There, there were like an exceptional group of people who they could just do Christianity on their own. They didn't need small groups. They didn't need you know, to be committed to a church. They were part of the church. No, it says they were all met together constantly and shared everything with each other. And this is the secret to small groups in our church. What we're creating a comfort level with one another, where we get to know each other, where we can begin to share our heart and share our life and share our faith journey and see the difference being made. And this is, this is, this is also critical if we're ever going to accomplish the mission and ministry God has given in our life. Do you realize every single one of us have a mission and a ministry. Ministry is what we do within the Christian family. Mission is what we do outside of the Christian family. So ministry is how I serve my brothers and sisters. For example, it's like having chores at home. There are certain responsibilities I have in my house and responsibilities my wife has and responsibilities my sons have, and we all have different responsibilities. That is our ministry to each other. But we also have a mission. My son has a mission. He goes to school. I have a mission. I go to work. My wife has a mission. She, so we all have something we do outside of the house. We all have something we do inside of the house. And the reason we need to connect is you're never going to do anything significant alone. God designed us to do it together. Again, let's go back to Ecclesiastes 4. There was a man all alone. So here's what, it, here's, here's what Christianity looks like when you try to do it on your own. When you try to do it without connecting to other believers. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. And son nor brother, you can look at that spiritually. He didn't have any spiritual brothers, any Christian brothers or sisters, any Christian sons or daughters. We are all called to have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. There is no end to his toil. 
yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So he was always tired, he was always exhausted, and it was never enough. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And can I tell you, this is so true in church and in the spiritual. Like I can do something for God on my own, but when I do it for God together with you as a church family, what I accomplish is so much greater than anything I could ever accomplish on my own. And here's the last thing I want to say. Develop my relationship with God. Circle that word develop for a moment. If you, if you have paper notes, if you printed them out, or, or maybe you're doing them online, if there's a way to highlight it, just highlight that word develop for a moment. Have you ever imagined what your Christian life would look like, what your faith would look like if you went all in? Where would you be five years from today if you went all in with God? If you really developed your faith, developed your relationship with God? You know, in almost 25, 30 years of ministry now that I've been in, I've seen a lot of people try God. You know, they come to church for a little while and they try God. They don't go all in. They kind of get into the, to the shallow end. They get their toes in the water and they try out God and it just doesn't work. Why? Well, it would be like me saying, you know, I want to try out the NBA. Like, like I don't know if I'm going to make it a career or not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the NBA. No, I don't try the NBA. I dedicate my life to trying to make it in the NBA. And there are a lot of factors outside of my control, my height, my, my athletic ability and everything else. But you don't try it. You dedicate your life to it. And if you dedicate your life to it, you've got a shot. Well, there are a lot of people trying Christianity and not getting anything out of it because they've not gone all in. And yet, in so many areas of our life, we go all in. Some of you love to camp, and you've gone all in. You've got all the equipment, you've got all the gear, your garage is just chock full of camping gear and camping equipment. Why? Because you've gone all in, because it's something you're passionate about. Some of you have gone all in with surfing. Some of you have gone all in with sports teams. Before this whole COVID-19, I mean, you had the whole, you had the, the, the jersey, the hat, the posters. You had the tailgating equipment down. I mean, you would show up early to the game. You would fight crowds of people and sit in traffic. And it didn't matter. You were all in because you loved the team. Have you ever wondered what your faith would look like if you went all in with God? What would your journey, what would your prayer life look like if you went all in? What would your faith look like if you went all in? Because I'm telling you, Christianity only works at 100%. 99% will not activate Christianity. For, it's when you give your whole heart to God. Why? Because he gave his whole heart to us. Look what Jeremiah says. If you look for me wholeheartedly. It doesn't say if you look for me half-heartedly. It says if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Some of you, you're looking for God in the middle of the season. Maybe not for salvation, but you're looking for an answer. You're looking for a miracle. You're looking for God. What would it look like if you went all in? And we're not talking about some legalistic works thing. We're just, we're, we're just, we're just saying, what would it look like if you laid it all down and say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you every area of my life, not because I have to, because I want to, because I understand what you have done for me. I see how you didn't go to a cross half-heartedly for me. You went to a cross wholeheartedly for me because you were looking for me. And you gave it all on my behalf. What would it look like if we went all in? So I know this is an awkward time to do this. 
I know it's, we typically do this at the beginning of the year and we've never done it during COVID-19 because we never had a COVID-19. But here's what I wanna issue. I wanna issue you a one-year challenge. We've talked about this a lot as a church. Give one year of your life. Give one year of your life and run the game plan. Run the game plan and see if your life isn't radically different a year from today. And it still works even in COVID-19. You can join us in the one-year Bible. You can join us in online prayer. You can join us in services and small groups. You, you can go all in. You can take a one-year challenge right now in the middle of this season and see if in 12 months from today your life isn't radically better because you went all in for God. We don't know what's next, but what we do know is we've got to make some important decisions. We've got to make some important decisions that either way the road turns in front of us, we are safe and we're secure. Why? Because we're aligned with our purpose and we're aligned in the right relationships. We've chosen and been intentional about the right relationships in our life. And this is the way God has designed it and it'll change our life. So as we close, let me say the most important relationship of your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as, as, I, as I end in prayer today, I want to invite you, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've never committed at all, you've never said, Jesus, you are Lord, you are King, you're in charge, you get to call the shots, I surrender and submit my entire life to you, I want to invite you to pray with me. Jesus went to a cross and he died the death that we deserved. He paid for our sin so that we could be saved. And it's a free gift that we do not have to earn. All we do is receive the gift of His forgiveness, receive the gift of salvation, and we choose to make Him our Lord. So if you've never done that in your life, I want you to pray with me quickly. Wherever you're at, whether you're with people or whether you're by yourself, just close your eyes. And if you're with people, I'm going to ask everyone in the room watching the service, just close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I surrender to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And thank you for forgiving all of my sins. I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those of you that prayed with us, would you let us know? We're developing a plan right now for water baptism during this season. We'd love to get you started on this Christian journey. We'd love to get you connected relationally with the right people. Let us know there's options available through the different online platforms, or you can email us or through our app or through our website. Connect with us so that we can do this journey together. Thank you for joining us this week. Thanks again for joining us for Church Online. If you just gave your life to Christ, know that we are celebrating you right now. We've got some simple next steps for you. So take out the Coastline Church app and hit the connect button 